Yakshamash, everybody, as we say here at the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by you know, Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And uh, we got a joint venture today with the Acme Packing Company, our SB Nation cousins who cover the Green Bay Packers. This is Jake Okorowski. We got Evan Tex Western. We got the Polish Rifle Scott Wisniewski. And to lead off the show right off the bat, we got Green Bay Packers. First-round draft pick selected 27th overall from UCLA, the sunny state of California. Jealous right now with the weather they probably had recently. We got defensive lineman Kenny Clark. Kenny, welcome onto the show. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing great, doing great. And let me just ask you right off the bat, uh, I've heard in, in some other interviews in the past few days, uh, you've had some conversations with uh, former teammates uh, Dayton Jones, Brett Hundley. What have what have they told you about the, the weather here? Have, have they told you to prep for any winter weather yet, any jackets or, or anything along the lines before you, you head up uh, here from Los Angeles? Well, they told them, Brett, they, they never talked to me about the weather. I think, I think more of it was my family started telling me about the weather, just telling me I better be ready for the cold and everything. Um, and, I mean, when I talked to Dayton and Brett, they were just telling me uh, – just be ready to work and just embrace the grind up here you know, because I got to live up to to the high standards that the Packers are going to hold me to. So just be ready. Kenny, uh, a really good uh, college career. Uh, you were a captain as a junior. Uh, very interesting background. And as I was reading up more on you, can you talk a little bit about how your high school and amateur wrestling uh, helped you up in the trenches, so to speak, and maybe just a little bit about how you felt things went at UCLA in your years there. Uh, well, I think that, uh, wrestling definitely helped me out with um, just my leverage, my hands, and being able to fill guys out, whether they're leaning or uh, whether they're pass blocking. I was able to, to, to read stuff quickly. Um, I feel like I feel like wrestling is a is a is a huge tool that's needed, um, especially for defensive linemen or offensive linemen when. When you're always hands on with another with another person, just just learning leverage and and, and learning learning body movements, you know. Um, so I think that definitely helped me out, and, and just how I applied to the field. I think it just helped me out with the just the mentality that I had um, in wrestling. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get real tired at times, and um, just just getting tired in wrestling and and having that will not to not 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 to let another person beat you while you, while you're tired. You gotta have that attack mentality at all times. So uh, I feel like I feel like it helped me out a lot with with my mentality as far as coming into games and coming in and and handling adversity and everything. So uh, I think I did a good job at that. Hey Kenny, Evan Western from Acme Packing Company here. Um, going through the whole combine and draft process, that's obviously so much different from actually playing football. How excited are you just to get back to the basics of, of getting back on the field this weekend at minicamp and, and just diving into the playbook and actually, you know, getting on the field and, and going up against other players again? Yeah, man. I mean, it feels so good not to, not to be, to be striding out and, and trying not to, to run a, to try not to, to practice a, a 40 and, and doing all that type of stuff and going through bag drills. And now I can, I just been practicing with my with one of my teammates, uh, Caleb Benenock, just doing one on ones, just doing run fits and and just working on my technique, learning my placement of my hands and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I'm mean, I'm just excited overall just to be a part of the team and, and a part and just trying to get back to to just doing normal football stuff and 
and done with the the little the, the combine and stuff. I'm, I'm ready to just play football now, so I feel pretty good about it. We're here on the Keel Bossa Kings Sports Extravaganza with Green Bay Packer first round draft pick Kenny Clark. Kenny, this time of the year is is very interesting for fans, for media, and of course for players doing workouts, having scouts evaluate you. Always interesting to hear what scouts have to say uh, from one player to the next and differing views. But when you look at how you were evaluated, um, you know, when you look at your strengths and weaknesses, obviously the strengths outweigh the weaknesses. And, and you're, only, you're only 20 years old, so clearly not a finished product. But when you talk about your development from year one at UCLA to last year to as you start your NFL career, where do you think uh, some of that development, some of the things that you want to work on, uh, where do you think some of that effort needs to be put? Uh, definitely, definitely my effort just needs to be put more, just keep getting better and better at, at pass rushing. You know, um, freshman year I didn't really have any sacks. Sophomore year I had I had a sack, and then uh, junior year I improved to, eight, to having six, six and a half sacks somewhere around there. And, um, I mean, I mean, I'm improving every year. I'm taking my game – mentally to another level every year I'm trying to as best as I can and uh I'm just trying to I mean I'm just trying to I'm just trying to study the game study protections um work my hands and and just keep uh, just keep attacking the ball carrier keep attacking the quarterback you know so uh I, I feel like I'm, I'm and like you said I'm only 20 um and and I feel like the sky is limit for me I'm only gonna get better and I, I, I'm just working hard to 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 continue to get better on a daily basis Kenny, you've talked about playing a lot of different positions off the defensive line, uh, zero tech, five tech, four I. Any any particular position that you think really suits your skill set? Um, obviously, with the Packers using so many sub packages, um, you know they'll they'll be looking at you as in, probably an interior rusher as well. So, is there a particular place where you feel most comfortable? I mean, I, I feel like I'm 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 very versatile. I can I can do a, a lot of things wherever they put me at. Uh, I mean. I mean, I'd be happy to play any of those spots. Uh, I just want, at the end of the day, I just want to get on get on the field and help my team contribute. I want to help my team uh, win a Super Bowl at the end of the day. So, wherever they put me, at, that's that's where I play. You know, you look at your career and uh, the things that you were able to do. Uh, people always talk about um, what you did in the trenches, but a lot of the things you were able to do up there kind of helped open things up for some of the other great players on that defense. Uh, so as you as you transition into this this defense for the Green Bay Packers, how similar is it to to the one you played with with the Bruins? Uh, definitely, and, and I think that I think that applies to to really just just taking double teams and, and making sure you're doing your job and holding your gap. Um, I had a good relationship with all the players on, on my team, and um, I'm pretty. Sure, I mean, we all trusted each other. You know what I'm saying? While we played football and. Uh, I mean, we trust each other on the field, and and we made plays together. So, um, honestly, it was it basically it was just me t- me taking me doing my job, and uh, really, I mean, holding up blockers for Miles and Jayon and and uh, Isaac and those guys to to um to hit the gaps and and come up free as linebackers, and uh, just just me doing my job just to help my team and just show the team that. I'm committed and I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be at and when I'm supposed to be there. So uh, I think it's just all just that's, – that's what defense and that's what uh, being a great defense is all about, 11 guys committing to, to trusting each other and knowing that those guys are going to be in the right spot at the right time and when they're supposed to be there. 
Kenny, the Packers have talked a lot about kind of changing that attitude on defense to being kind of a, an edgy, hard-nosed attitude. Mike Daniels is one of the guys who's really uh, trying to lead that charge. What's your attitude when you when you put the helmet on, you get down in the trenches, you're lining up against a, a guard or a tackler or, or whatever it is? What's going through your mind? Uh, I mean, just like I said earlier, just just that attack mentality. Um, I definitely, I definitely. I, when I talked, when I talked to Mike Daniels the other day, I definitely got that vibe from him that uh, that he he was just so excited. He said he was. He told me he was he was excited to play with me and stuff. And um, I, I definitely got that vibe from him when I was talking to him that he was he that he and I see it the way in the way he plays. He plays so violent and aggressive, and he plays hard. He runs to the ball. So uh, definitely, I bring those I bring those things to the table. I run to the ball. Um, and I mean, I I could just I'm gonna play hard and and I'm just try to be as hard as no as hard nosed as I can on the field. Um, mentally, I'm just bring that that attack mentality, and uh, just I'm gonna just go from there. Kiobasa Kings uh, Sports Extravaganza. We're here with Green Bay Packer first round draft pick Ken Clark. A couple, uh, just a couple quick ones here. Uh, one for me and one from Evan. I know we're running out of time here, but growing up, uh, how much do you know about the Packers? Uh, who were some of the players you emulated growing up, and what was your favorite team uh, growing up as a football fan? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I knew I knew a lot about the Packers um, just just growing up. I mean, Packers are a legendary team. Just of course, Brett Favre and those guys, and uh, just I mean, I w- watched them growing up. And then uh, I mean, my favorite team was um, was the Baltimore Ravens growing up, and uh, in the two thousands when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, that was probably my favorite team, and uh, just I just loved the way they played defense. The guy that I idolized when I was little was um, was Ray Lewis. Just him being a leader and him coming out every day and 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 putting all I mean putting everything on the line for his teammates on a daily basis. Uh, just it just inspired me to, to be the player that I am, and um, just just to put everything out for my teammates. Now, it seems like UCLA has really put out a lot of you know, great prospects in the last couple of years, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, we talked about Dayton. You mentioned Miles Jack. Uh, is there something – can you talk about the program just a little bit and what, what, the, what your coaching, coaching staff does at UCLA to really prep, prep you guys for the NFL? Yeah, I mean, Coach, coach Moore is really, is really getting – I mean, he was an NFL coach, so he's really bringing that NFL mentality uh, to, to the locker room. I mean um, – He's a, he's a loving guy, but he he treats us like like men, you know. And um, honestly, it's just I think I think when he came, I mean, I think when he came in, uh, it was just a different mentality for everybody. And uh, I think Coach Moore just brings in that that fire that fieriness that you need in in a team that that you just need to you just need to just you know just be excited, be be passionate and. He just brings that fire, man. Um, I think everybody just—I think everybody just took a hold on to that, and uh, just just been passionate about the game, been passionate about what they're doing, and uh, we just brought—I mean, we just we just took in that mentality that Coach Moore had, and I feel like it helped us out in the long run. He recruited a, a bunch of great guys, and uh, I mean, I think I think we just all panned out at the end of the day. We're here with Kenny Clark former UCLA defensive lineman now, of course, with the Green Bay Packers. Kenny, one last question before we let you go. Have you had a chance to really kind of 
step back and just, you know, with, with the draft process and pro days and workouts and, and combines, you name it, you, you've been through it all. Have you had a chance to step back and just kind of think, I'm in the NFL now. Have you had a chance to really kind of say like, oh, oh gosh, you know, and now, now, you know, we're in the pro game. It, it, you know, have you had a chance to kind of step back and just think, uh, just with everything going on, have you had a chance to kind of say like, oh man, has it hit you yet that that you're now you're you're in the pro game? I mean, I thought about it, but I I, I promise you, I, I, pro- I probably won't think about it. I mean, I probably won't. It probably won't actually hit me until like I actually step in that locker room, and and I mean, I see my name on on that locker and. I just know I'm a part of that. I'm a part of this team, and you know, I mean, I, I sat back and thought about it after I got drafted. I slept with the hat on my head. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I was so excited, man. <laughs> and uh, and you don't know how excited I was to get drafted by the Packers, man. And um, but I, I sat there and thought about it, but I, I just, I just, I don't think it's gonna hit me until I just walk in that locker room and I just see the guys and and just see that, see my name on that locker and. And I mean, I'm, I'm out there with a Green Bay Packers jersey on and a yellow helmet, playing out there practicing with the guys. So um, I'm just excited for the opportunity. My family's excited, excited for the opportunity, and I'll be ready to go. Kenny, just wait till uh, 60,000 fans watch you guys practice in a scrimmage on Family Day. That we want to talk about an, an experience. So, but welcome <laughs> the Green, welcome the Green Bay. It's it, it's going to be. It's going to be, I think, a great relationship between the team, you, and the city. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Kenny, thank you so much. Guys, that's Kenny Clark, defensive lineman, first-round draft pick, 27th overall, goes to the Green Bay Packers. What we'll do, we're going to take one quick break, come back, talk more NFL draft, talk Packers picks, talk some Wisconsin Badgers picks, uh, or those that went to teams either via the NFL draft or in the undrafted free agent route. We'll be right back. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter and today, the Acme Packers. our return from our little hiatus that we have. Sorry about that, folks, about that. On that's on that, I can completely say that's on my end with everything going on with the walk-on book project uh, that is going on currently, uh, which is uh, going well. I'll hopefully uh, inform more people probably by mid-June about where the status is, but things are going quite well. 
on that end. And uh, it's good to be back on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Yeah, it's brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. It's a co-production today with the Acme Cacking Company. We bring, you know, we we come back, we come back large in charge, and we go at it. I'm pumped. Big thanks to Kenny Clark, defensive lineman, Green Bay Packers, former UCLA Bruin. Now gets to experience winter for the first time with some snow up in uh, in Wisconsin and, and have some fun there. And we are here with the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. We got Evan Tex Western here from the Acme Packing Company. I am Jake Kokorowski. And, you know, guys, it is I – w- I sat and it's a time-honored tradition in my household that dates back to when I was maybe seven or eight years old with a notebook jotting down players – that were drafted in the NFL draft, listening to Chris Berman and Mel Kuyper Jr. back in those days. And I would add them instantly to my Madden 96 team, and I would do the combine stuff, you know, A, B, A, B, up and down, you know, all that stuff, try to get that great 40-yard dash or something, you know, like a 6'5", 320 lineman uh, who was the best lineman out there. But, you know, it's one of those things that I always love doing, just sitting and seeing, you know, young men's dreams come true to play at the professional level. And the Green Bay Packers, you know, Pretty good draft, I'd say. Uh, I'd say a, a good draft. You, you draft uh, Kenny, uh, obviously having the ability to play at the defensive line, especially with BJ Raji no longer there. Maybe let's start off there. Like you know, uh, overall impressions of the uh, the pick, and we'll start with you, Tex, real quick. Your thoughts on just the overall draft for the Green Bay Packers, and then their first round selection in Kenny Clark. Yeah, I think there were a couple of interesting themes just overall in the draft. Um, one being, obviously, they, they went for big guys. Uh, two defensive linemen, two offensive linemen, a couple of linebackers. So so that was definitely uh, seemed to be a, a focus of, of Ted Thompson and company this time around. The other one was um, smart guys that, uh, you know, you, you get guys coming from Stanford and Northwestern and UCLA. I mean, all these, these big schools and, uh, and solid pedigrees. So, so I think it, you certainly saw the the team do a good job of blending need and value. Um, Clark certainly a, a, a good example of that in the first round. And um, I, I'm I'm not surprised they didn't go with one of the inside linebackers like a Reggie Ragland or um, or one of those guys early on. Uh, definitely w- was not surprised that they went for the defensive line instead. I think uh, I can't remember if it was McCarthy or Ted Thompson who says there's only so many big guys in this world. So. Um, yeah, definitely getting getting one of those guys early on was definitely a, a good call as far as I'm concerned. Well, and, and Evan, the thing is this. You know that there's a probably at least 30%, let's call it 30% of Packer Nation that will criticize Ted Thompson no matter what he would have done there. If they would have taken Dak with the potential knee injury or Raglan with the heart in, with the heart problem, which may not be a big deal, but anyway – there would have been people who were going to criticize that pick. But, yes, they have a glaring need at inside linebacker. But if you if you don't think they have a need at nose tackle, then you're not paying attention to that either. B.J. Yep. Raji retired. And, again, stopping the run has been a problem for this team for the last four years. So why wouldn't you want a big body up front that can fill the gaps, that can get a little bit of a pass rush, that can make tackles? It's silly that people criticize the pick. Uh instantaneously and even now there's still people who are like well this was a terrible pick again because they want to criticize ted thompson not because they're doing their homework and looking at what a good player clark is yeah and you brought a a good point with the inside linebacker situation and and the way i see it 
they don't need an inside linebacker for first and second down. Um, Jake Ryan and Sam Barrington are, are going to be solid run-stopping guys, and you need somebody to come in and help out in coverage on third downs in the dime package. And that's where I think the Blake Martinez pick fits in so incredibly well. Um, he was just a, a coverage monster for Stanford last year. Um, he, he split out in the slot. They, they, he lined up some at, at strong safety. Um, and, and Stanford's defense is very much like the Packers in that they run a base 3-4, but they're in nickel and sub packages 75% of the time. And so that's the kind of role that Martinez is already accustomed to. Um, he's a really intelligent guy. I got a great uh, chance to talk at him at length at the combine. I think he's going to fit in great in the locker room and, uh, and in the film room. And I think that's a role where I think Martinez can probably step in and take over for Joe Thomas as a dime linebacker on day one. We're here with Tex Western here on Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And, you know, Tex, you, you look at uh, the second round pick. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, they trade up. Uh, and and what, do you, what do you think about them having that, a bit, tra- you know, making that trade, getting the a tackle, and, and what does that spell for the offensive line? Is that just building depth? Is, is that building? Is that looking towards the future with a maybe Brian Bulaga, some of his health history, maybe T.J. Lang, David Bakhtiari, or Bakhtiari's still young, but T.J. Uh, Lang, Josh Sitton, maybe getting a little old in the maybe old in the tooth, or uh, what do you think of that of that pick? The way I look at it is it's an insurance policy. It's an insurance against any one of Bakhtiari, uh, sitting or laying, not being able to re-sign in the offseason because all three of those guys are free agents after 2016. It's insurance against Balaga or Bakhtiari going down with an injury. And, and obviously we, we all saw what happened when, when David went down the last couple games of the regular season and, and what a difficult time the backers had finding a, a backup left tackle. So I think you've got an insurance policy against all those things, as well as a guy who, um, who projects as a, a starting caliber left tackle in this league. And, you know, whether you've got, whether you've got that for depth or, or with the, the goal of, um, or, or the, the possibility of bringing him in to eventually start in a couple of years. Um, I, I've got no problem with the pick. I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, that they moved up for him. Um, it, it even seemed like Thompson kind of strayed from his, uh, his let the draft board come to him mantra um, with that one, because they kind of said that, uh, that he, he had Spriggs pegged as his guy and, and he really wanted to make sure that he got him in that second round. So that, that, that I thought was interesting, but um but yeah, certainly depth is a concern on the defense, on the offensive line, and, and with all those free agents coming up, um, I, I really think they're taking out some insurance against not being able to sign as many of those guys as they might want. And, and Jake and Evan, another big body, six six, three hundred pounds, uh, much like Murphy, the kid they drafted in the sixth round, six six, three hundred five. And you're right. Look at how bad that offensive line looked when they had the injuries. They had three starters out. They lost a fourth starter in the middle of that Detroit game. It's a different team. This team is a Super Bowl contender when the offense can click on all cylinders. They can't click on all cylinders if they have either A, injuries, or B, an inability to protect their quarterback. Yeah, he, he traded up. Maybe he reached slightly. Maybe he reached 10 picks. I, rumor is he was trying to get ahead of the Bears who wanted 
who wanted Spriggs, but I like that. You touched on a Martinez pick. Love that pick. Even Lowry from Northwestern, he went and grabbed guys that fit the scheme he's already, his defense is already playing, not get a guy and try to fit him in or shoehorn him in somewhere where he doesn't fit. I thought it was a great drop. The only head-scratcher for me was not because I, I think he's a bad player. I don't really know enough about Trevor Davis other than that he's fast. Now, I know that speed was an issue at wide receiver for most of the year last year with Jordy Nelson out. But then Janice and Aberdera started to show their worth a little bit towards the end of the year. They're the real speed other than, than Jordy Nelson on this team. So when you look at the depth chart barring injury, it looks like Janice, Aberderis, and Davis fighting for two spots. I, I, again, unless something else emerges in camp. Yeah, I agree with you there, and, and that's that's a name that I think surprised everybody. It certainly, certainly wasn't really on my radar, um, the, the the Trevor Davis pick. And I, I think you, you've got in him a guy who can play on the outside. Um, you know, so many of the, the Packers receivers seem to be slot guys with Cobb and, and Montgomery to some extent and Everdaris. But I think at least with Davis, he's you know he's six one. He's got enough height. He's got real good leaping ability, thirty eight and a half inch vertical, I think. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's a guy who you, you might be able to, you know, put him out there at split end, send him deep, and, and try to take the top off the defense a little bit and, and open up some things underneath for, for some of the other receivers. Um, and, and who knows what's going to happen with Jordy Nelson with his knee. We all think he's going to be back to, to his old self, but uh, that's certainly no sure thing. And if he's, he's not able to be the deep threat that he once was, they need to find someone who can come in and be that player. And, and certainly we'd like to see Janice develop into that guy too, but um, that's, that's taken an awful chance if you're relying on him to be your only real deep threat. Sure. And, and Jake and Evan, real quick, too, another question. When you look at this draft, other than uh, uh, Spriggs from Indiana and Lowry from Northwestern, all these players played on the West Coast, and I think a lot of Packer fans – Let's face it, we, we, we see more Midwest and East Coast and SEC games than we get to see the Pac-12. And I think a lot of the criticism that some of the fans have or some of the, the pundits have, I don't think they saw a lot of these kids play enough to be able to say for sure that this was a good pick or a bad pick. That's why scouts have jobs, is they go and they get to see these kids play. Yeah, you can say that. And I think, it, obviously, yeah, there's a heavy emphasis of, of players that – Went to, that are coming to Green Bay that are from that uh, from the West Coast, like you mentioned, and, and the Pac-12, and and then also you have uh, the Kyler Fack, uh, yeah, Fackrell from Utah State, from uh, Gary Anderson's old crew uh, with the Aggies uh, back in the day, and uh, it it is interesting, but you have to trust Ted Thompson. It's one of those things that. You trust in Ted. He's always fielded a great team, uh, and we'll see how they how they do uh, when it comes to that. And you know, a lot of people maybe gave some crap to that notion, or they 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 were concerned, or like, we haven't seen these guys. But they're those same fans were the ones that were clamoring for for Miles Jack at that pick too. You know, when you know for UCLA, so they're they keep going back and forth. You know that you. you you have to trust Ted on this. And I, I think that with, with Clark and you have a guy like Martinez who I, who's intriguing as that linebacker uh, and, and, and Fackrell too, seen as a pass rusher, uh, this team, uh, it, it's intriguing. I like it. And, and even with Trevor Davis, which it's a very, like you mentioned before, a very loaded wide receiver crew uh, provides possibly a great returner and, and depending upon how that shapes up where, you know, in my opinion, you have, Jordy Nelson and, and, and Randall Cobb being the two ones, obviously they're safe. 
Uh, they're all pros. They, they've been there before, and they're, they're key to that offense. But everyone else, uh, you know, I'll, maybe I'd say even Ty Montgomery on that end because uh, coming back from the injury, I think I think they're they're the three that are that are pretty safe. But you know, Devontae Adams is coming off a rough year. Uh, Aberderis and uh, and Janice have that ability possibly to you know I mean they've shown that they can produce uh, and they you saw that in the in the playoffs and this it makes it very an intriguing battle at that wide receiver front. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm sorry, Jake. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Let me let me ask you this. Too. And again, Jack could end up being a great player. Uh, he was rated really high, obviously the highest rated second rounder pick. But again, you always got to be concerned about the knees. And how much help did Clark actually give him to help open up some of those holes? But I think the chance to talk, we didn't get to uh, follow up on the draft. I, this is just really for anybody out there. Laramie Tunsil, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> Tex, I'll let you take that one, brother. That, that is the most bizarre thing I think I've ever seen in all my years of watching the draft. Um, and I, I don't know who, I don't, I don't think anybody knows who is, who's responsible for this whole thing yet. Um, it sounds like they've ruled out the, the stepfather that had the issues as the, the culprit. But um, somebody must've really had an ax to grind with this guy to, to, to do the kinds of things that they did on, on both his Twitter and his Instagram accounts, um, you know, within the span of an hour or two. Uh, my big takeaway is kids have stronger passwords on your social media accounts. Um, but the the whole thing is, is just a bizarre situation. And, and um, Peter King had an interesting post this week about looking into the Miami draft room and, and how they were um, kind of making that decision when he started to fall. And, and it was an interesting look in the, inside the process as to, um, as to how some of those teams make those decisions in the heat of the moment. But um, the, the, the really interesting thing, I think, is, is some of the things, some of the, the talk about the Ravens taking him off their board and, and they would have taken him at six. Um, and then, again, eventually falling all the way down to 13 in Miami. So it, it's, it's a crazy scenario, and it's, I guess it's a, a function of the, the world we live in now with social media. Well, and depending who you talk to, uh, Mike Mayock being one of them, he was actually on his draft board the highest-graded player. Now, you knew Goff and – Cars and Wentz were going to go. You knew that, okay? But other than that, there was some actual talk based on how he graded out and before some of the other things happened that he could have legitimately been maybe the Chargers pick at three. I'm surprised the Cowboys. He's right up the Cowboys' alley, for crying out loud, um, although they got a good one with Elliott. But, I mean, there were people who thought he could have been a top three pick talent-wise, but obviously there's some other things they want to make sure of before they were willing to make that commitment. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I gotta say, it, uh, that's one of those. I'd say it's. I remember just seeing that and just seeing like the pictures drop and just social media blow up there. And you know, actually, text by the way, with with just the way things were handled with that Tunsil stuff, uh, with that, it sounds like there's a report possibly out there that might have been a former advisor. Now that Ooh. possibly was linked to this, where he may have switched out phones and he took the old phone. And that still had the social media instead of being wiped clean. That uh, this former advisor, who apparently wasn't a uh, certified by the you know NFLPA, uh, and then uh, was fired subsequently after that for not being certified there, uh, had that a bit. Basically, he may be that person of interest that did this, and uh, and it maybe had that axe to grind. So 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you talk about one of the most bizarre, uh, bizarre stories ever, and it, it's it's one of those things that I mean, I always I think we'll remember this definitely for years to come, and and also and just uh, also I mean besides just the free for all there, but what does that mean for Ole Miss with with some of the college stuff and some of the confirming that he did take payments from the school or from someone in the school, whether it was a coach or associate athletic director. I think that's, that's a huge thing. That's, that's, I don't know even how to describe it. I mean, and I don't know where exactly, you know, it goes from here and, and, and just how hot maybe is, is Hugh Freeze, you know, seat right now at, at Ole Miss. Yeah, that's an interesting point, too, because there were some allegations of some, some shady things with recruiting with Candice and, and some of these other guys in, in this this class, too. So it, it'll be real interesting to see if the NCAA ends up uh, running an investigation on Ole Miss to, to see if there's um, if there's any, any fire where the smoke's coming out of there. But um, I, I would not be surprised at all to see some, some sanctions come down out of this after, uh, after the investigation's complete. All right, let's shift gears real quick. Um, so I know you only have a few minutes left with us. Let's talk about the Badgers, and let's start with the two that got drafted. Joe Schobert, uh, pick 99, going to the Browns. With the, has a real chance there to, to, to crack into that rotation. And obviously the Browns, not the most talented bunch. And then Derek Watt getting drafted in round six by the Chargers. And we'll talk about some of the undrafted guys, Joe Stave, obviously going to Minnesota, but of the guys that are, that either have been drafted, or we can even talk about the guys that were signed. Who has the best chance to make the most immediate impact in the NFL? Well, I think you got to go with Schobert. Um, he's in a he's in a situation where he's going into a three four defense in Cleveland. Um, he's got a defensive coordinator in Ray Horton, who I, I think pretty highly of, and who I think is going to be able to be creative enough to find the right ways to use Schobert. Um, I really liked him for Green Bay in kind of that hybrid inside-outside role that, that Clay Matthews had played last year because you get him using his pass rush skills on the inside, uh, blitz in the A-gaps, as well as, um, as chasing down ball carriers from the edge and, and pressuring the edge on, on third down. And I think if, if Cleveland's smart, they'll use him in that kind of a role, um, and, and he'll have a, a chance to certainly uh, play on third downs as a, as a pass rushing specialist, um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think that's that's the role that fits him the best and, and gives him the best chance to succeed. Yeah, I mean, you look at the fact where uh, you like where Joe uh, ended up and uh, a great story. I mean, literally a day away from traveling out to North Dakota and then Bielma assures him of 100%, uh, you know, guaranteed admit he'd be admitted to Wisconsin, takes that leap of faith, jumps on special teams, and now he's – uh, in Cleveland with Joe Thomas, the uh, from our All Pro. I mean, you have two All Americans uh, from the University of Wisconsin now play on the Cleveland Browns, and uh, I thought the Browns had a good draft too. I know he'll be competing with Scooby Wright uh, as well. I think he was drafted by the Browns, and uh, emotional story there for him. It's Derek. You got to like what Derek, where Derek Watts headed for San Diego, reunited with, I'd say Melvin Gordon. You have that ability for him to really kind of take a, uh, you know. It's interesting to see what San Diego will do, and let me know if you if you agree, Scotty, and Tex about that. Where San Diego, just some of their offense, I thought from what I saw, and I tried to keep track on my NFL Sunday ticket of Melvin Gordon last season. They almost went a, a lot of shotgun, and and I, it's kind of interesting to see how that offense will play out. Where 
you know, are they going to utilize that fullback now? And, you know, Derek Watt also is versatile enough where he's played a hint of an H-back or a U-back is what they referred it to as uh, in Andy Ludwig's offense uh, the past couple of years before Paul Chris came back. So he can play fullback. He can play hints of tight end in certain layouts. But even during, like, the, the uh, East-West Shrine game, he was doing long snapping. I'm really intrigued to see how he'll pan out. Uh, when it comes to the simple fact of him and just, you know, like where where we'll see him on the field, is he going to open those holes for, for Melvin or is he going to have that ability to, you know, play a little bit tight end maybe and, and even get in? I mean, I think special teams will be a huge thing for him. Well, Jake, I think he's got a chance to play, and, and Evan, you chime in here if you'd like too because I think he's got a chance to play if he can block. That offensive line for San Diego is one of the worst in football, and there are times yep. where – I thought even I could fall down and block somebody better than some of the, the Chargers offensive line. So if he can, if he can block, uh, pass, protect, and open up some holes, I think he's going to have a chance to play right away. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It, it floored me that they didn't take – that the San Diego didn't take a tackle or a guard until the seventh round of the draft. They did take a center and Max Kirk of the USC in round, round three, I think. But – uh, it, it it just blew me away that they didn't go, you know, they didn't get an offensive lineman earlier than that. And, um, and yeah, I think uh, it, certainly pass protection is an area where, where Derek can help out. And who knows, maybe, you know, you mentioned the, the shotgun there. Maybe they used him on third downs a little bit as kind of a, a personal protector for, for Philip Rivers in the backfield, kind of that John Kuhn role. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we can't forget about this, too. I know, I know we're running up against time for your text. Uh, just some of the undrafted free agents there. You have Joel Stave going to the Vikings, uh, which I think is a great fit when it comes to the fact of, of North Turner's offense there and, and having a, a deep ball. I mean, granted, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback and, and the quarterback uh, of that franchise for years to come. But just in case, uh, having having some of those um, those whiteouts, uh, Treadwell that they picked up in that first round with the deep ball. But, you know, you also have Michael Caputo going to the Saints, uh, which was, that was a late one, which was intriguing because everyone was wondering where, where Caputo would go being a former team captain and seemingly always around the ball. Uh, you also have Tanner McAvoy signing with the Seattle Seahawks, which they, I, I don't know, if, I actually haven't seen it yet if they've confirmed where he'll play, whether it's a safety, t- a flex tight end, a wide receiver. Uh, you have that, but then also Alex Erickson with the Cincinnati Bengals, who might have a little bit more of an uphill climb due to all that. There's like a log jam of receivers in Cincinnati, but he'll get his chance uh, to show what he can do. And uh, you know, it, 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 I'm I'm intrigued to see where those undrafted free agents and how they perform. And which one or which maybe a few do you think have a chance to to make a roster or I mean, you know, even a practice squad. Honestly, I think the most interesting fit of all of those guys is McAvoy in Seattle because the Seahawks have shown that they're not afraid to move guys around and, and try some unconventional things. So, I mean, at, at this point, they've become pretty well-known for taking late-round defensive line picks and moving them over to the offensive line and basically starting them from scratch. Um, and, and I remember, I think, a year or two ago, they tried to do that with Bo Allen before uh, before Philly swooped in and, and grabbed him just before before Seattle had a chance to take him. So that that's an area where if anybody's going to be able to figure out a way to use McAvoy and, and put his skills to good use, it's going to be Seattle. You know, uh, on that same note, I look at New Orleans. They only had five draft picks. They needed some help in the secondary. They, they drafted Von Bell, who they actually think could play corner. They also had some holes at safety. So 
I, I don't know if he has a good camp. I don't know why Caputo wouldn't have a chance to make that team. Again, there's, there's some holes in that secondary. And they didn't really address them all. With the, they only had five picks to, to do it. So I think they kind of look at it as a little bit of a steal to get some, a guy that was a higher-rated uh, non-drafted free agent because they weren't able to fill out a lot of those holes. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting about Caputo? I mean, I was there for Pro Day, and, and Caputo was ripped. I mean, he was ripped during the season, but, you know, when you don't have to study for classes, when you don't have to uh, concentrate on anything academics, and you just focus on football and training, and you, you've heard that from, from Joel Stave, you've heard that from Joe Schober, and among others, that, you know, their bodies really change. And you could tell with Caputo, just solid, ripped, I don't know how you want to describe it, and it I think he's a great fit. I think he, he, I mean, obviously he'll be good for special teams. We'll see how the, uh, how he does in pass coverage. And if that maybe the, one of the things besides being that hard nosed player, he was decent in coverage, but uh, we'll see how he, how, how that translates to the pro game as he was primarily more of that, almost like a fifth linebacker sometimes in Dave Aranda's defense playing in the box and, and, and being a, a ball hawk in that end and just finding the nose for the ball and making a, making tackles on that end. Uh, Tex, uh, what else? I know we got to let you go. What, what should we expect coming up in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks here at, you know, at Acme Packing Company and, and well, tell us what you guys got going on. Well, rookie minicamp starts up this weekend, so we heard Kenny talk about it. He's catching the early flight tomorrow, but players will start arriving tomorrow, and then we're expecting practices Friday and Saturday. So keep an eye out for plenty of reports from rookie minicamp. Uh, after that, we'll start our rundown of the Packers roster, ranking them 90 through number one. Uh, we're kind of doing our own little version of the NFL's top 100, just with the Packers' 90-man roster. And then uh, coming up after, you know, obviously we'll have OTAs and minicamp in the next couple of weeks. And then in that dead period between OTAs and minicamp and then uh, training camp, we'll run down our uh, our list of our top ten plays from the 2015 season. So keep an eye out for all those things coming up on Acme Packing Company. Excellent. Tex, as always, wonderful talking with you, my friend. We'll talk soon, and just uh, you, you keep trucking away, and then hopefully you're getting some sleep now after all the – the news and notes and tracking reports and, 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 and uh, doing what you guys do over there at Acme Packing Company. You got it, guys. Always a pleasure. And go Pack Go. Guys, Tex Western, Acme Packing Company. Make sure you guys follow them on Twitter. Uh, first off, you know, follow Tex at T-E-X Western, just like the movies. Follow Acme Cat Packing Company at Acme Packing and then C-O at the end. Uh, of course, follow us at Kilbasa Kings WI, at Scott Wisnews 2, at B5Q, and then, of course, me at Jake Coco B5Q. And, uh, yeah, we'll take one quick break, wrap up the show here on the Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Big thanks again. We're going to wrap up the show, guys, on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And uh, just, you know, it's been great getting back on the air. And 
Big thanks to Tex Western taking the, his time out. Uh, he is Eastern time for those that don't know. So big thanks to him. And uh, we got about 90 seconds left on the live stream. We'll take it a little bit after uh, talking some Brewers in just a second. And uh, big thanks to Kenny Clark, defensive lineman, defensive tackle from UCLA, first-round draft pick, 27th overall for the, for your Green Bay Packers. Big thanks for him making some time before that early 6 a.m. flight that he is on to Green Bay. Best of luck to him. And, Scotty, you know, uh, we haven't had a chance to really talk about it yet on our podcast yet this year. Brewers, yeah. Ryan Braun, obviously they drop, a, they drop one today to the Angels, but uh, t- what's been going on? And, obviously, they're not uh, pitching, you know, Peralta, Terry Youngman's yeah. down. It's not been going well, but Braun, yeah. Braun seems to be a bright spot. Yeah, the pitching's been terrible. By the way, those who won't be around for live stream, make sure you listen to this portion because there's some interesting things here uh, when we're going to talk about Ryan Braun. But, yeah, the pitching's been awful, let's be honest. Um, surprisingly, when Braun and Jeanette are, are playing, the lineup's been pretty good. Luke Ray's starting to hit. Um, Carver's been a great early season surprise. Uh, they're taking walks around base percentages better than it's been in – a decade. So that's great. Uh, but the starting pitching has been awful. And in turn, the bullpen has been overworked and there's, they're about right where we thought they would be on pace to lose 90 some games. However, Ryan Braun has played at an MVP type level early on in the season. So because he's played better, obviously the talk of the trades and making a trade have popped up. A couple things I want to say before I just decide, I give you my opinion on whether they should trade him or not. Uh, I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing people talk radio and, and fans say, well, you got to get rid of this big contract when you're on a rebuilding team. Brewers have the second lowest payroll in baseball, and that's with Ryan Braun's contract. So what, by trading a Ryan Braun, what, their payroll would be somewhere in the $40 million. It's not that much money. By the end of his contract, it's going to be a, 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 an upper-middle-class contract. That because the cost of doing business continues to go up in case anybody hasn't noticed. So I wish people let, – let's end the whole he's overpaid stuff right now, okay? Teams will not be afraid to acquire his contract if they're in a pennant race or contenders or big market teams. That being said, Ryan Braun, the rumor is that he's altered his no-trade no clause, but he'd prefer to be traded to a West Coast team. Now, the question is, do you trade him or don't you? And the answer is yes and yes. Yes, you keep him, and yes, you trade him, depending on the deal. There is no reason to trade him for a bunch. Because the other argument I'm hearing, I heard all, all week, well, you know, you gotta get, you know, would you rather have a great player or a good team? That's garbage. You know, I know what they're, they're saying is, well, you could get three. If you get three studs, okay, fine. Then you can trade around Brown. If you get three prospects and two of them are close to being campuses, fine. Then you trade Ryan Braun. Then your argument makes sense. Maybe you make a trade with the Yankees and you get Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez and a pitcher. Because if you're going to trade Ryan Braun, you better get top flight pitching. Because in case you haven't noticed, get all the prospects you want. But I don't see a, a, a cavalry of pitching coming up anytime soon to come save the day. So if you're so... Uh, hell-bent on making this trade because it'll make the team better and it won't be just a bunch of individual players and all the other garbage I'm hearing on talk radio, make sure you get a stud 
can't miss pitcher like a guy like uh, uh, Julio Urias from the Dodgers, and they're not going to trade him. But I'm just saying, you better get a guy like that. Because if you don't, then you don't make the trade right now. You don't have to trade Ryan Braun. His contract isn't keeping this team from signing anybody or getting better. So it all depends on the deal. As far as I'm concerned, everybody should be tradable if the deal is right. There should be nobody that's untouchable on this team if the deal is right. That goes for Lucroy. That goes for Braun. That goes for Aaron Hill. If he starts hitting, he has been a little bit. If the deal makes your team better and it's the right deal, but to trade him for a, quote, fire sale, that's stupid. You know what? In case Another thing, I've been to five games this year already. In case people haven't noticed, there are some games where you could sit there and almost be guaranteed that everybody gets a foul ball. That's how poorly attended that, that stadium's been. You know what one of the bright spots has been? Ryan Braun. I understand you. I've said it. I preached it a couple months ago. You have to be patient during the rebuild. I still stick by that. But you don't make moves just to make them. And if you don't get the value that Ryan Braun is worth, then you don't make the trade because he's still one of the reasons to come bring the family out to the ballpark. Because as much as Kirk Neuenheis might be a great guy and Ramon Flores might have some potential and Domingo Santana, who uh, – is miscast as an outfielder, period. As much as those guys might have some 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 uh, potential, until Brett Phillips is ready to come up, you're, you need Ryan Braun in that outfield. You need Ryan Braun in that lineup. Unless you tell me that the guys you're going to get are going to be major league all-star caliber guys within the next three years, you don't make that deal. Period. To be honest with you, I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't had time to even watch. I, I, I in between writing for this book, I've had the opportunity to listen to the games, which has been nice. It's been nice hearing you, crew, when I'm trying to think straight, which then makes me laugh, and then I get completely well, that makes one of but, us. But but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but if we have this this uh, with this team, what else are you seeing with the young guys? What are you seeing with? And uh, we only have maybe about another five minutes before we we gotta take it home here. But yeah, right, what right. are you seeing from these? What are you seeing from these younger guys? What are you seeing from players that I don't even know are on the roster that are on the roster and, and making 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 things happen? Well, not much yet because the guys that are contributing. Santana's been okay. I still think he someday has to be a first baseman. That's just my opinion. But VR has been good, but he's not a young guy. Carter's not a young guy. He's been very surprising. Hitting the ball, putting it in play, hitting 280, nine home runs already. Lucroy hitting the ball, but not a young guy. Braun hitting great, not a young guy. Scooter Jeanette, he's young enough. Um, Aaron Hill's starting to play a little bit better. But for, as far as young guys go, I haven't seen much out of Flores like I had hoped I would. Um, Broxton got sent down almost right away. Haven't seen, Walsh hasn't done much. I mean, he's drawn some walks. He's a real five guy. Um, really, I'm waiting for Arcia to come up because none of the other quote, young guys, Taylor Youngman, young guy, no pun intended, not great. Davies, not great. Jimmy Nelson's been a, a bright spot. So Jimmy Nelson, Ryan Braun, Carter, and Lucre, those have been your bright spots. And Jeffers, as a closer, has been, has been good when he's had the opportunity to close. you got two guys in the bullpen that they need to come back soon, Corey Gnabel and, and Will Smith, 
that will get some depth to the bullpen, and the bullpen should be a strength of this team when those guys come back. But if the starters can't get out of the fourth inning, I don't care how deep your bullpen is. So to answer your question, some of the young guys, are st- we're still waiting on to come up because the ones that are up right now, not, not, not too impressed yet, just to be honest. So, you know, we'll have to see. And I'll tell you what, if you ever have the adventure, it was funny. I'm listening to, I was out at the game yesterday, and on the way in, I was listening to Craig Council, and somebody asked him, yeah, you know, Domingo Santana seems to have problems with going back on balls. And he gave the manager kind of a Ned Yosty answer, but a little bit more pleasant than, than that guy. And he goes, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, like, in the first inning or second inning, there was a ball hit routine that he got turned around on, went over his head that he should have caught. So he's not an outfielder, man. <laughs> Just not an outfielder. So, again, it, it, the, the offense has been better lately. Um, Willie Peralta had a couple of decent starts. He had some terrible ones to start, then a couple of decent ones. Then he gets a win on Sunday, though he gave up 13 hits. He's the guy that I really thought was going to make the step up. You know, regardless of what Youngman did or has done or any of the other guys, I really thought, you know, Nelson and Peralta would be able to lead the staff. And so far, Nelson's been good, Peralta not so much. Let me tell you how bad the staff has been. I had to proclaim out loud when looking at the numbers, you know what? I can't wait for Matt Garza to come back. (laughs) <laughs> so, but think about it. Matt Garza, even at his worst, aside from last year, even at his worst, his ERA was in the mid fourth. He's a solid number two on this team, with those numbers. I mean, part of me just to make him competitive, even though he doesn't seem to have much left in the tank. I actually kicked around in my head the the notion that they should pick up John Dinks, who got released from the White Sox. That's how bad the staff has been. They, they, they are, have the fewest quality starts in baseball. Uh, they had two going into yes. I think they have three now. Three or well, not, I take four because they got two back today. Four quality starts in the first 28 games. That is abysmal. So the pitching, which was supposed to be a strength, has been terrible. If the pitching had, had, was anywhere close to what pundits thought they would be, which would be you know just above mediocre, Instead of being 12 and 16, this team might be 16 and 12, like the Phillies are. Are they? Would they still be a playoff team? No. Would they win a division? No one's catching the Cubs. Cubs are going to win 106 games this year. But they'd still be a little bit more further along. We'll see if the pitchers figure it out. Um, that said, I hope I didn't paint such a miserable picture. Still get out to the ballpark. But the final point on the Ryan Braun thing that started this rant is trade him if the deal is right. I listened to a pundit today on, the mor- in, on one of the morning yak shows say, uh, well, you can't, you got to trade Braun because his contract's preventing you from winning. And then somebody said, his co-host said, well, then you should get some good players. Well, he's not going to bring in any top flight guys. Well, then don't trade him. Then that's stupid. Then you're still not closer to winning. Goof. Like, think, think about the things that come out of your mouth before you say them. You're on the radio for crying out loud. I mean, it's, it's just, it's silly. It's just silly. So he may be traded. I don't think he's going to get traded for a while. I think we'll, he'll have a couple more months here. It'll be closer to the trade deadline. You know, where you could get a big haul for him is when you get a pennant contender, maybe has an injury, a guy go down, a couple guys go down, they need a bat. People are concerned about his back, too. You know, he's had some tightness. 
But you know what? If you trade him to an American League team, his day off could be as a DH. You know, like he wouldn't have to play the. You don't want him to be strictly a DH, but you could certainly utilize his bat on days he's got a little bit of tightness in it in his back. You know what I mean? So, I don't think I don't think the back injuries, at, at least at this point, make it a make him not, not tradable. But again, get get what get his worth, get the worth out of him. And if you don't, if you keep him, he goes down as one of the best brewers of all time statistically, right there in the pantheon of Yount and Mowler, and I don't want to hear the PED crap because, first and foremost, we're about to get another round of PED suspensions. And uh, the, the only thing I ever held against Ryan Braun at the end was that he didn't own up and admit it and he had to throw somebody under the bus and cost him his job. That I don't like. But the usage of the PEDs, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's more rampant than you think. They're just, they've been ahead of the curve, and now it looks like testing's catching up again because you're about to get some things. And we already had a... Uh, um, uh, D. Gordon gets suspended and uh, uh, Colabello from Toronto, and I guess there's more coming. So there you have it. So anyway, I know we got to go, and I know you got. We got, we both have long long mornings ahead of us. So I guess we can end at that point. We have I've gotten my Brewers out of my system, and hopefully the people following the live stream have clicked over, replayed this, heard the great interview with Kenny Clark, our great draft analysis with. Uh, with Evan Tex Western, and then, of course, my rant about the Brewers and whether or not Ryan Braun should be traded. So there you have it. <laughs> uh, and just uh, thanks so much again for everyone turning in. And like I said, big, like, like Scotty mentioned, big thanks to Tex Western coming on. Uh, check out something for Ectomy Packing Company. Hopefully we're going to get ourselves a little uh, article up about the, art, you know, about the interview. Big thanks to Kenny Clark for actually – Agreeing to do the interview, I know he's been on kind of a, a press media or what do you call it, the car wash or whatnot the past few days. Uh, it was on 1070 with Mike Heller yesterday and whatnot. But a great having him on. Uh, very, very uh, just thankful for that uh, and his agency. Big thanks to Scotty for making time, switching our availability to make this happen. And guys, we'll come back soon. We'll talk more. We'll break down OTAs. I'm sure we'll talk more Badgers. We'll talk Brewers. We'll talk Bucks. I'm sure that with the draft coming up, what goes on there. And we got so much more coming up, uh, coming up in the next few weeks, next few months here in the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. And guys, take care. Have a great week. As we say in Polish, dozo bacenia. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs>